Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Weekly Podcast with myself and my super intelligent ex-colleague and research analyst friend, Ralph Hebgen. This is the final roundup podcast we'll do for 2021, but watch out for other themed podcasts from Watson's Daily coming to you very soon. Hey there, Ralphie. How are you doing? Hey, Peter. I'm good. Good to be Excellent. back. Hello. I know. I tell you what, it's going to sound like that we're, we're, we're ridiculously uh, caffeined up to the max here. But the, the, the whole thing is, is we've had all sorts of technical problems in the past, but we've managed to solve them, which is brilliant. <laughs> we've been reunited for this podcast, which is absolutely I'm buzzing. Yes, um, mate. Yes, mate. Bring right. it on. I mean, by okay. now, of course, most people have signed off because we're <laughs> yeah. weird. But, I mean, exactly. Hey. Exactly. <laughs> so, so in order to take in, you know, all this, this energy, uh, we need to channel it um, in the appropriate way. And I thought that we'd kick <laughs> off, kick off by talking about inflation. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I mean, the, the inflation and interest rates um, specifically, because um, yesterday we saw that the um, Bank of England decided to um, take into account that we were at historic highs of inflation um, and decide to actually uh, increase the interest rates. Indeed. Now, the thing is, so it went from 0.1% to 0.25%. Um, but really, um, I think it would be a good idea, considering we talk about it so much, um, that if you could give us an explanation, because you did point this out earlier on, and I thought you made an excellent point, that in fact, actually, why don't we step back, talk about why this is important. So if you could, you could explain it much better than I can. So please go ahead and enlighten everyone. Oh, dear. <laughs> OK, cool. I will try my best. Um, OK. No, I mean, basically, uh, it, it's just an, maybe an anecdote, first of all. Um, before I learned about interest rates and inflation and how it interlinks um, at business school, of course, people were talking about this topic all the time. And they were talking in my presence, they were talking about, well, inflation is rising, oh, the Bank of England <laughs> needs to increase interest rates, everybody <laughs> nodding. Yeah. And, and, and I was like, nodding, going, yeah, yeah, hmm. <laughs> But it was, oh, I had no idea what I was talking about. Oh, I mean, I just didn't know why everybody kept kept saying that. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here laughing because I was exactly like that when I started um, broking in the city. I was thinking, <laughs> oh, hold on, what's going on here? But anyway, carry on. So, so yes, and um, and obviously there are. This is all economics, and there is a lot of science behind it, and it can be very difficult and daunting. Um, I, I would just like to maybe chat about this in, in, in simple terms, yeah. uh, also hiding the fact that I can't really talk about it in any more complicated <laughs> terms than, than that. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, just, just as a few sort of benchmarks. Now, now, first of all, I'd like to just chat about what inflation actually is. And obviously, it is a rise in prices. We all know that. Mm-hmm. But there are two ways, at least, two large ways in which inflation can come about. I mean, one is that the cost of producing 
stuff. I mean, my, my, my economics textbook always annoyingly talked about widgets in, mm -hmm. in this context. You know, nobody yes. ever knew what that is, yes. but I'm going to use it now anyway. So the cost yeah. of producing widgets is increasing mm -hmm. and the cost of producing these things is normally raw materials and wages. Mm. Now, as these costs are increasing, uh, the costs are being passed on to the consumer and you have a rise in prices. Mm -hmm. That's the one, that's sort of one way in which this can occur and it has a technical term. It's normally referred to as cost push inflation. Mm -hmm. And the second one is when the economy is producing stuff and, yeah. and demand for the various products in the economy is so high that it cannot short term flexibly align with that and mm -hmm. increase production capacity and the only way uh, uh, sorry the the only way that demand can go is to increase prices mm -hmm. and that is called demand pull inflation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now the first one which is cost push inflation i mean it, immediately it sounds worse than the other one doesn't it i mean intuitively mm -hmm. i mean it's it's yeah. basically if if the costs are increasing i need to pay more for the same stuff Mm -hmm. And there is nothing really beneficial to the economy. Mm -hmm. A surefire indicator of that happening is when commodity prices are rising. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody is now thinking, oh, crap, that's what we have now. And that's mm -hmm. exactly right. I mean, yeah. this is basically what, 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 we are, what we're doing at the moment. Yeah. Now, inflation is not a good thing. Mm -hmm. Let's take that as red. Yep. And the governments or more specifically, the independent central banks mm -hmm. have various ways to fight inflation. Mm. Um, and in, <laughs> in, in general, the way to fight inflation is to, to make sure that people has, have less money to spend in the economy. Yes. <laughs> if you have less money to spend, then obviously less goods are being demanded and yep. prices are falling, at least in theory. Awesome. Yeah. Well, not awesome, but you know, yes, that's how it goes. <laughs> what I mean is I'm, I'm following. Yes. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are two broad ways in which that can be brought about. One is fiscal policy. Mm -hmm. That's basically everything which, uh, which, which, which has to do with taxes. Obviously if I, I being the government now, sorry, not the government, the central bank, Mm -hmm. Actually, this is, oh, sorry, I'm getting confused. This is the government's job. If the government lowers taxes, it puts more money into the pocket of the consumer. I can go out and buy more stuff. Yep. Or if I increase taxes, the opposite is the case. So increasing taxes would be one way of fighting inflation. Mm -hmm. But the other way, and here it comes, is interest rate policy. Hey! <laughs> and obviously... <laughs> This is all, this has the same effect. I mean, the goal is now to fight inflation, meaning to make people spend less in the economy. Mm -hmm. And if I, I now being the central bank, if I increase interest rates, mm -hmm. it means I'm going to get more money for my savings. Mm. And there is a stronger incentive for me to put my money into my bank account mm. But of course, if I put it into my bank account, I can't use the money twice. I don't have it to buy stuff in mm -hmm. the economy. Mm -hmm. And indeed, in theory, at least, an increase in interest rates will 
bring about a reduction in prices and therefore a, uh, a reduction in inflation. Mm-hmm. And the second big thing is what the, the other thing that happens when you increase interest rates is that the cost of borrowing increases. Yeah. So the cost of borrowing for most of us is our mortgage. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like a double whammy, isn't it? I mean, interest rates increase. I have a higher incentive to save. Yeah. But at the same time, I have higher outgo because my mortgage has just risen. Yeah. And again, I have less money, less money to spend. That's basically it, and that's sort of in 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 brief, just a mm. as a as a sort of ch- check uh, or or cheat sheet on mm. on on how the two go together. Mm. Higher inflation normally triggers, or an increase in inflation normally triggers um, a policy move to increase saving to to increase interest rates in order to incentivize savings and take some money out of the economy. There we go. I mean, absolutely brilliant. Um, I think you gave a very clear explanation there. Um, I think there's two things worth mentioning. One is um, you did you were talking about central bank stroke governments, mm. uh, and I think it's worth mentioning that um, I think all I think all of them, um, you know, all the developed economies. I'm pre- I'm pretty sure that all all developed economies, central banks are independent of the governments, and yeah. uh, you know we sort of take this for granted at the moment, but it was not always the case. No. Um, and the the reason why this is a big that the reason why that is a big thing, is because um, what has happened in the past is you've you've had um, you've had governments setting the interest rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have um, potentially uh, set the interest rate um, to help themselves and their popularity. Um, so, for instance, the classic thing would would happen is you're in the UK, you're in government, you're getting close to a, um, a you know, let's say one <laughs> year out or something from a from a, a general election. Yeah. So what you do is you cut the interest rates. Um, mm-hmm. And and then everyone suddenly feels richer. They can, you know, because they can borrow money. They spend money. Um, the the um, economic activity increases, and therefore everyone thinks, oh yeah, government's doing a good job. So you know, it's a classic thing that they did used to do. And I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was when Blair came to power that um, the Bank of England became independent. Because I thought that, that was true. Chance that that was Gordon Brown, wasn't it? So. 97, I think. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I, I, I can't recall the date, but I was surprised to find when I came to yeah. the UK yeah. some 30 plus years ago, yeah. that at that time, the Bank of England was not in fact independent yeah. of, uh, independent from the government uh, in terms of interest rate policy, whereas the Bundesbank, my, you know, in my other country, <laughs> um, yes. has at least to my knowledge always been independent now always may not yeah. be true but when i left germany yeah. uh, it certainly was and yeah. um, and, and you're right this is i think also known as the political cycle yeah um there certainly is a political cycle in terms of tax that mm. is why i was sort of quite careful in separating out the the agents who are responsible for the policy decisions. The government is, of course, responsible for fiscal policy. The central banks are independently responsible for interest rate policy. Mm-hmm. And you do have a political cycle when it comes to tax. Yep. Because what you just described is sort of what the governments tend to do. Yep. So for one year, 
out from the next general election date, or, yeah. or in, in, in this case, sort of like three years out, because Sunak has recently indicated that they might reduce income taxes. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, this is quite interesting. This is now a tangential comment. We're moving away from this, but it's quite interesting when, when governments do that, so two to three years out from the next general election date, yeah. you sort of tend to find that they are at least in their own assessment, uh, losing the support of the election. Yeah. Basically, they're trying to give them, give people some freebies to make them feel good yeah, so that they'll basically. vote for them. Mm. Um, and and the, another thing worth mentioning, and was um, something that actually I, I mentioned in today's um, Watson's, in Friday's Watson's Daily, mm-hmm. um, about Turkey, right? So, we, so uh, Ralph has very expertly taken us through um, you know what happens when you have uh, rising inflation, and why uh, uh, why uh, uh, interest rates uh, tend to go. Uh, you know, central banks tend to raise interest rates in order to curb inflation. The notable exception to that is um, President Erdogan of Turkey, who, on his own, believes that actually the opposite is the case. And what he needs to do is he needs to cut interest rates in order to curb inflation. So he is probably one of the only people in the world um, that believes that is the case. Um, And so, uh, you know, Turkey has been a bit of a disaster um, of late, especially. And but the thing is with him is that pretty much he's got rid of a lot of his any detractors um and mm-hmm. he just puts either puppets or people that you know who will yeah i mean just basically people who will do what he says um in the uh, position of finance minister or whatever so mm-hmm. anyway today what I, I was saying about turkey is the fact that he raised the minimum wage by 50 percent five zero percent now you know the idea is that is to help workers so obviously if they're on if if they're on minimum wage they'll be at the lower end so um you know who who help poorer workers because of the inflation but i think that the problem there is is that he all he's doing is he's buying himself some time before they start feeling the pinch of essentially i think it's over 21 percent at the moment um, the rate of inflation i mean Obviously, over here, we're tearing our hair out, you know, at, at uh, you know, 5.1%. Um, but, I mean, you know, you'd know, we'd have no hair, hair left to tear out. Uh, you know, if we were, <laughs> it was sort of 21 plus percent. But, uh, but anyway, but that is certainly worth mentioning. Anyway. Yeah, I, I have to say, I mean, I haven't looked at this in detail and I'm not aware of the official reason why he does that. But I, I have to say I'm baffled by this. Mm. Because if, if we remember the sort of, let's say general framework which i which i developed hmm. if if you put his policy decisions into that general framework then what he's doing by increasing wages a minimal minimum wage is hmm. he's increasing production costs mm-hmm. and production costs are a major determinant of inflation yeah so you have inflation anyway now you increase production cost and in order to fight this you lower interest rates in other words, if I was flippant, I would have to say, I mean, Erdogan is basically saying, well, don't put your money in the banks, spend it in the economy, and here's some more money to do it with. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is not exactly a good recipe to fight inflation. But but then I hope to, as a caveat, I don't know exactly what the official um, idea there is. I mean, there must be a reason why it's doing it. But certainly in the framework of a traditional or, 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 or conventional economic analysis, mm. I can't see how that would make any sense at all. No, indeed. And I think that you're not the only one. Um <laughs> You know, I think most of the rest of the world. Anyway, so there we go. So that was our very, uh, very quick chat uh, and upbeat stuff uh, on inflation (laughs) and interest rates. So uh, so there we go. By the way, just say it's uh, the reason why I'm so perky at the moment. It's not coffee. Uh, it's just that I, I'm absolutely exhausted <laughs> at the moment. Oh, and I, I have I've literally been lying down for the last hour to try to bring up to summon up the energy for this one last push before before I collapse. So uh, so anyway, uh, let's well, well taking advantage of this of this uptick in energy, um, let's talk about another thing that was a, a big thing um, this this week, uh, and that's Omicron. Now, talk about collapse, yeah. Or... Yes, exactly. talk about collapse, yeah. <laughs> now, the thing is, obviously, we've had, um, uh, you know, plan, uh, plan B, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, there was, there was the vote to put it through. Um, Bojo managed to get it through. Oh, yes, but, but it wasn't thanks to his majority. It was thanks to the Labour Party that he managed to get it through. Mm-hmm. Um, he's faced a lot of backlash from you know, from um, all sort of biz- all all sorts of business businesses, especially obviously for obvious reasons, um, the leisure industry, so pubs, restaurants, and stuff have been talking about how yes. um, all these bookings are just just slipping through their fingers as yep. people are. You know, people are taking um, Chris Whitty's uh, uh, advice uh, to heart and prioritizing who they're spending time with before Christmas. Um, so that is, you know, there's talk of uh, potentially um, reintroducing kind of a furlough scheme for the leisure industry to take them through. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it really is, um, it, it really is an absolute disaster. And actually, um, yeah, I mean, what, what what do you think of that? Oh no, I mean in, entirely. I mean, there there's so many aspects in this particular dynamic. It's it's mm. astonishing. Yeah. I mean, first of all, Omicron came in from left field. This mm-hmm. time, we thought uh, we're going to have an okay Christmas. Yep. And this time, it wasn't our fault. You know, mm. in, in inverted commas, like air quotes, our mm. fault. Yeah. I mean, last time it wasn't our fault either. But last mm. time. It was the Delta variant was rampant. We knew what what we needed to do or mm. whatever, but but this time and there wasn't a vaccine, of course. Uh, wasn't there? No, probably so hold not, on, where are we? not, no, not no. as much. No, the, the we we were vaccinating. It was um, it was on the up, but I, but yeah. I don't think it was at the level of penetration which yeah. we have now. Mm. But now, of course, we have a good level of penetration mm-hmm. and a new different virus comes out of in this particular case south africa mm. um doesn't matter where it comes from comes from somewhere yeah. and is basically just <laughs> yeah <clears throat> excuse me buggering this up yeah, um, yeah yeah now the it must be devastating for the hospitality industry to be Absolutely. in the position in which it is mm. 
because it, of course, also is facing a double whammy. First is the miraculous decision to leave the EU has basically mm -hmm. meant that lots and lots of people are no longer working in the hospitality yeah. industry because they've yeah. all uh, been Brexited off of the premises, so to speak. Brexit, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I like that. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not trying to. Well, I am, but moving on um yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 this is one hardship and the other one is of course the seasonality mm -hmm. of that particular sector i mean yeah after the time we've had yeah. the hospitality businesses need to recover yeah. lost earnings from somewhere and mm. what better way to do that than over christmas mm -hmm. and now it appears as if that particular revenue uh, contribution to the annual um budget or the annual PL yeah. is going to dry up or perhaps even fall away. Yeah, yeah. So from that point of view, I even understand moving on to the second aspect here, that it was difficult to push through in Parliament. Yeah. Because the Tory party has of course always been and traditionally has been the party of business. So mm -hmm. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But it is still uh, to my mind, absolutely gobsmacking to see that we had 100 Tories rebel against yeah. the Prime Minister. Yeah, that, that is, is a, a lot. very significant mm. amount, which I would not have expected. Mm. And I think there is more to this than just simply a factual opposition to a policy that that the the this group of 100 Tories doesn't agree with. Mm. I think there is at least a subliminal, if not overt, message to Boris Johnson to clean up his act, because otherwise his position as prime minister may be in jeopardy. Mm. Mm. And I was also astonished to see that um, the uh, chairman of the... 1920 committee has openly said in an interview recently that it is possible that Boris Johnson's position as prime minister is not as secure as it once was. Mm. Mm. So anyway, so, so so we have that, and um, and and then clearly the two together, the political uncertainty, yeah, uh, and the uncertainty which comes with, well, currently scanned data on what the Omicron virus exactly is going to be, mm. is, is just in the end increasing uncertainty in the economy. Mm. And uh, yeah, so th there we are. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we are not in a good place currently, I have no, to say. No, not, not at all. I mean, there's, there's a couple of things um, I wanted to say on that as well. So I, I just think that... Um, there is a, you know, I, 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 I've been saying this in, in, I think other podcasts. I think I, I lose track now because I'm, I'm on podcasts and zooms and all sorts. <laughs> um, but basically, I, I do wonder um, whether, you know, go, with, with regard to the uh, effect on, on the leisure industry, I wonder whether there was a tiny chance whether, um, you know, the worries could be overdone, in the sense that I feel that. Um, uh you know the, these these parties and things are being postponed not cancelled <laughs> because um the thing is is that you know i mean i i i'm firmly within this camp is that i'm desperately trying to make sure that 
um, my mum and stepdad uh, can come over on Christmas Day, right? Yeah. And so I'm willing to just literally go nowhere to to ensure, you know, for, for the next week, whatever, to ensure that they can come over. Um, and I, I don't think I'd be alone um, in that, you know, mm. in that, that people will be consciously doing that uh, themselves uh, for the same reasons. Yeah. Now, I think that um, because this is kind of official guidelines, I think lots of people would be doing that and companies will be relatively understanding of it. Uh, and therefore, I, I do wonder whether actually, you know, this this January, which is usually very quiet, I wonder whether actually it, you know, almost January will become the new December. I, I don't know if it will be quite to the extent because obviously Christmas and everything, it all has, there's something about it. But um, I just wonder whether people, whether things are going to bounce back more quickly. So I don't yeah. know. I mean, it depends I, I, on a lot well, of things. You know, it depends I, on a lot of things. But I think that um, I think there's a tiny chance that that could happen. So yeah, yeah, I yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, I I think I've recently said to somebody in summary of a discussion about just the subject is going to get a lot worse before it gets a lot better. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is all short term because I I I still pin put my hopes on the fact that Omicron may be not as virulent as the delta mm. uh, and so we are going to have exponential growth mm -hmm. we are seeing that already it is absolutely phenomenal how this thing multiplies yeah. people are now talking about doubling uh, between two and three days I've, I've seen numbers doubling in 1.9 days so that's two. Mm. and if it doubles of course in... your maths is pretty good isn't it yeah i know aren't i a genius i, I mean, mean rounding wow. up you are <laughs> You are the bomb. Right, yeah, anyway, I, I tell you, give me a number and I'll round it up for you in no time. <laughs> One point eight. Especially uh, uh, <laughs> about three. No. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Sorry. Anyway, um, so so we're going to see that now. Now the the, the issue here is it, it's the usual race, isn't it? I mean, we yeah. don't want to cancel the Christmas parties. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Especially not if we are Tory politicians. Sorry, no. oh, this is terrible. Yeah. Um, what yeah. I just said, inflammatory yeah. commentary yeah. on the on the podcast here. Um, no, but joking aside, we don't want to put a, a break on the economy. We don't want to do this. Yeah. But given the exponential growth and the speed with which the Omicron virus multiplies, yeah, we are just going to get to the level of capacity of the NHS very quickly here. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of seeing that the numbers suggest that 4,000 hospitalizations a day is currently all the NHS can handle. Yeah. And, and I don't know to which extent this number is right, but let us say that that is the order of magnitude. And yeah. even if the Omicron virus is far yeah. less virulent than yeah. The Delta one, yeah. uh, the, the, this will be entirely offset by the fact mm. that it uh, multiplies so quickly. Yeah. So in other words, yes, you, your your tendency of getting your folks over, etc. I think we all share that. Yeah. This is another issue, of course. We all are tired of yeah. the virus. We all want to go back to a, a measure of normality. Yeah. And I have to say, in London, it was buzzing in summer and is still. Yeah, no, it, now. Cer it certainly was, wasn't it? Yes, I mean, and it's it brilliant. does. Yeah. It does we all want like this. 
But yeah. so, so I'm guessing that because of the um, tendency of people to be tired, wanting to go out, because of the hospitality sector needing it, yeah. the political reluctance to uh, go back to lockdowns. Yeah, I think what this is why I said it's going to get a lot worse yeah. before it gets a lot better. A lot better if indeed the Omicron virus is less severe. Yeah. 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 God. Yeah. So I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's yeah. I mean, obviously tricky times at the moment. One... But yeah, I mean, uh, just to one one last comment on this in terms of timing. This yeah. may all be over in inverted commas very yeah. quickly. Yeah, it, yeah. Because we are talking about this sort of, sort of time scale. It's sort of January, February. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to open this can of worms, certainly not this podcast. Maybe we have time to talk about this at some other stage, but we also mm. have Russia uh, rattling sabers and probably doing a lot worse mm-hmm. um, in, in the Ukraine. And that would also happen in January. Mm. So I'm sort of hoping that 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 particular incursion, if it were to happen, would also um, sort of peter out in February, March. So mm. in other words, I think the first quarter of next mm. year is going to see a lot of negative news flow with commensurate negative impact on the equity markets and everywhere. Mm. Before then, one would hope at the end of the first quarter, beginning, moving into the second, uh, we are going to see um, generally better news flow coming. Mm. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Um, one thing I, I wanted to add uh, to that, um, uh, slightly bizarrely, but it is actually it is relevant, um, is that this week um, there was some uh, news that Amazon was going to sell low-cost PCR COVID tests uh, <laughs> for UK travellers, um, yeah. which, I mean, obviously no one's going to be able to travel now, are they? I mean, you know, yeah. uh, but, but, you know, in, in case you are, <laughs> in case people are, I mean, I think this is this is quite good, and um, and I also wonder whether actually this is a, a this this could be uh, like a precursor for Amazon to get more involved in the distribution of medical, you know, related stuff or medicines, because um, basically yeah. what they're doing is they're distributing. They can they can uh, send these things out. Um, the the test will be processed at their lab in Salford, um, and I think that that's really it's interesting because I think that um, people will trust because at the moment I think that there's there's a you know trust is not I mean a lot of these companies a lot of people haven't heard of let, let's face it you know and yeah. some of them the the te- I mean um, you know some of the tests get lost uh, you, you know all that kind of stuff. However, Amazon. Everyone knows Amazon. Everyone knows how good their logistics are. Yes. Um, and so, therefore, you know, uh, you would have thought that they, although they've obviously had some a lot of bad press, actually, in this sense, this could be an absolutely brilliant PR coup. Um, you know, get get them, uh, you know, earn them some brownie points. And so, actually, when they do come to say maybe to the government to say something like, um, oh, you know, do you mind if we become, you know, distribute, you know, uh, medicines and things like that, there will be less resistance, perhaps. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's me being, you know, conspiracy theorist or whatever, but uh, yeah. I mean, you you, you may be right. I mean, there certainly are always sub overtones of public relations in, in, in any sort of corporate policy. And yeah. 
and this may well come to it. Can you just ask for clarification? When you say bad press, there was a lot of various things uh, relating to Amazon. There's one always, which is the uh, allegation, well, it's more than an allegation, that they don't pay the fair share of tax. Is that something which you relate to? Yeah, I mean, um, well, you know, I mean, obviously there's the tax thing, but there's there's other stuff like how they, um, you know, they compete against third party sellers and things on their um, yeah. on on their, um, uh, you know, on 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 their site. You know, the, those allegations where let's say they they've got a, supposedly got this secret division which looks out, which they've denied, but you know, looks out for things like, uh, oh, this is a really amazing product sells really well so they then go to their chi uh, chinese suppliers and say hey uh, can you make something like this um and then they they um they then sell it on amazon um looks ex looks pretty much the same and they can just sell it for less and then you know so the, yeah there's all that kind of stuff as well so that's been i think that's been ongoing that's been ongoing for quite some time um so like i say i think that and 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 there's the other thing as well because i'm pretty sure in in america um you can um get your prescriptions i think uh through amazon and things and i mm -hmm. know they've been pushing for that kind of thing over here so that's what i'm saying is that maybe yeah. um you know, if they can earn brownie points by providing stuff like this, you know, the PCR test kits, which are really needed at the moment, maybe that will build up some kind of goodwill um, and mean that they might do better in, um, you know, with the other stuff that they want, perhaps. <laughs> but, uh... It's certainly a possibility. I mean, I have to say, I don't really look into the, uh, the vagaries of the Amazon world as much as maybe, maybe I should. But mm. but one, one would assume that if these various allegations are sticky mm. uh, and will result in... In, in headwinds to revenues for Amazon, mm. then they would actually address that head on. Yeah. But, 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 but you know, rather than relying on adjacent goodwill, mm. uh, supporting this and maybe ma ma making that particular debate go away. But, 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 but you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In terms of the tax allegations or the tax criticism that i think is not going to go away because mm. um as jeff bezos i think said well i mean i can't quote it verbatim but he did, did say it to boris johnson mm. that it is not his job to make sure that um, he pays a amount of tax held to be fair by the mm -hmm. government it is the government's job making sure that he will have to pay the job, mm. the, yeah. the, the correct tax. Uh, and I have to say that's fair. Now, I, mm. I, I, I would support this. It's, mm. it's absolutely, I mean, it's not doing anything illegal. No. Uh, and uh, it's in the interest uh, of shareholders and customers alike mm. uh, to, and here we go again, reduce production costs. You know, mm. I mean, of course, a tax burden is also a cost which goes yeah. through the PL. And so, therefore, that particular job is, I think, the government's job to make sure that these tax loopholes are being closed. Yeah. Um, and um, and to that extent, uh, I think, yeah, I mean, uh, Amazon would, would need to address these other problems, alleged problems, which they have under their control themselves and and then hopefully benefit from from some some adjacent goodwill coming from uh, other product initiatives, as you as you said. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, so there we go.
there we go. Uh, so anyway, it's all it's all good stuff. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> all good stuff. Um, and I, I I suppose moving on to the next thing. Um, so we've got M and A. Um, you know, the M and A featured very strongly this week. Um, it just it carries on. I mean that. You know, um, so what have we got? So we've got Microsoft um, trying to buy a British uh, AI firm, yeah. um, Kill buying Terminix, National Express buying Stagecoach, KKR buying into Pure Gym, Hard Rock buying Mirage Casino, um, you know, Fortress buying Punch Pubs. I mean, it's just all absolutely kicking off. And then on on the other hand, you've also you've got on the on the on the downside, um, you've got the British um, cine world um, being fined an absolutely massive amount of money, sort of seven hundred odd pounds, uh, seven hundred odd million pounds rather. Um, seven hundred quid is not too bad, uh, mm. but yeah, seven hundred <laughs> million pounds. Um, because it walked away from a takeover uh, uh, that you know that it was going to do with Cineplex um, mm. of Canada. So, I mean, just absolutely loads of M and A going on. Um, the bankers are absolutely raking it in, which is presumably why the um, top end of the property market is doing so well at the moment. And I suspect will do very well for the next. Uh, ooh, three to six months because I think but you know bonuses start to get paid. Um, yep. Yeah, start to get paid soon, and obviously they want to go out shopping and you know buy a buy a twenty million quid um, you know two bedroom apartment in in, in Hyde Park or something. Oh, um, um, but uh, but yeah, you know I mean. That, so yes, I mean there's there's a lot of that going on, isn't there at the moment? <laughs> there is another sector which is booming, which mm. made me laugh. It's the super yacht sector. Oh yes, of course it is. Yes. I mean, so, oh sir, would you like another yacht? Well, this one is only two hundred million, sir. Mm. Mm. Well, oh, good lord. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, going back to M and A, I find M and A at the moment absolutely fascinating. I yes. Yes. I mean, there is so much going on and it is not even consistent what Mm. is going on. We have Mm. discussed this on one of the other podcasts, Mm. which was talking about demerging, demergers is the conglomerate dead, basically. Yeah. Uh, That was um, GI Capital uh, specifically. Yeah. Um, And And Johnson & Johnson, wasn't it? And Johnson & Johnson as well, indeed. And now there are tons and tons of other uh, such mergers going on, and and I oh by the way, Rent-A-Kill, Terminix. Yeah, I mean, God, it's frightening. These kind of words. I mean, who are these? Good, aren't they? Terminix. Bloody does hell. I think it does sound like it could be the next sort of Marvel baddie? You know? Yeah, it's exactly. It's absolutely. like it's like you know, Spider-Man. It was I, I don't know the Avengers versus, versus Terminix. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that wouldn't that be appropriate, wouldn't it? Because actually, if you've got Spider-Man um, versus the, you know, pest exterminators or something, I don't know. Maybe maybe that would be appropriate. Maybe they would be, you know, they they would be his weakness. Uh, anyway, sorry. yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say, don't become a film producer, Peter. But okay. then other things have caught on, like Ninja Turtles. So why would that? There we go. There anyway. We go. Yeah, absolutely fascinating, the M&A sector at the moment. And I wonder what's driving it. Because, um, I mean, at least some of these businesses which are in the market uh, shopping, I think 
are cash rich, like Microsoft, for example, and mm. other tech firms, Amazon, etc. Mm -hmm. They're producing a lot of cash. And at yeah. the moment, you might think that at least certain uh, target companies are um, perhaps perhaps cheap, uh, mm. perhaps not expensive, uh, who, who knows? I mean, to the extent that all in the tech sector, you might argue that the tech sector is overvalued in general. Nevertheless, it's the cash wall which these companies are producing, which has to go somewhere. Only so much can go into R&D. Mm. And it opens up the old problem, which you always have when a company has too much cash for its own good. Mm. Um, what do you do with it? Do you give it back to investors by way of special dividends or increasing the dividend mm. uh, to a meaningful level? Or do you buy something? And just maybe one comment, which is more a general comment. I mean, I've always felt that there is perhaps a disconnect between the city or Wall Street, be between investors in, in general, and management teams um, of companies. Mm. Because you could argue that people like Jeff Bezos and um, the, the C-suite and Apple or any kind of big company mm -hmm. are paid, at least to some extent, for vision. Yeah. They have to take the company into the next decade or maybe even 20 years. Mm. And the M&A, which they make today, is hopefully going to establish a diversified or aggregate earning stream into the future, which they wouldn't have been able to build from scratch. Mm. And yet, these benefits will only emerge over several years and investors are normally not happy to remunerate management for that they need to have returns emerging over a year mm -hmm. or as a as an investor maybe you you have a time horizon of five years but if you're a professional investor then of course your bonus will certainly be determined at least in part by a performance uh, coming out of the annual review Mm -hmm. or even quarterly review. Mm. So the point is there's a certain short-termism baked into the investment world and which would not remunerate or give credit to an overtly long-term vision uh, of, of management. Mm. And uh, so to, 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 to an extent, this always goes, stands against each other. And to me, the... Um, M&A activity, which we're seeing at the moment, sort of demonstrates, I think, that companies have been cash generative in the past, and they are now taking opportunities or taking the opportunity to to um, to to buy things rather than sending the subliminal message to investors. If we give back the cash to, to to you guys, to the owners of the business, we just basically admit that we haven't got uh, anywhere to grow, that we haven't got mm. growth opportunities which we can take advantage of. Mm. So to some extent, that might actually also underpin the M&A activity which we're seeing at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that there, there is that. I mean, I, I put it in slightly slightly more robust 
uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I said, look, I mean, I feel bad, but obviously because of what I used to do, obviously stockbroking, um, and I was advising advisors, all the, uh, yeah, I was advising um, uh, fund managers, uh, you know, investors all the time. My wife was uh, a fund manager as well, by the way. We met at university, and it all happened before we went into the world of work. It wasn't one of those work things, um, but uh, just just to be clear, um, but you know, I've always I've always felt that you know investors always go on about how much they you know they they um, uh, they care about the companies and that they that because they own the companies and therefore they should mm. have a say on the companies. Um, I've always thought, and I know this may well come back to haunt me if I ever, if if Watson's Daily ever goes goes public or something, um, is that um, is that I think that they don't. I don't think investors <laughs> give a monkeys about That's it. I think that they they are just yeah they just um, they just they just care about the performance um you know that's relevant to them i mean if they're a hedge fund or something maybe they they care about the performance on a very short-term basis um and i know that obviously that there are other investors who will look at uh, you know a year or, or longer i mean you know one of my ex-clients he looked he said i buy and sell on a five-year basis mm, um, okay. so yeah, so enough. there's all that kind of thing as well so actually i would say Someone who does that is probably um, a bit more likely to care about the company and what they're doing and all that kind of thing. So, um, and whereas I feel that you know a lot of other investors, they're looking at what bonuses they're going to earn in the next, you know, in the next quarter, the next year. So, um, so I think that the only I, I've always felt, uh, although I've not been able to say this, um, is is I've always felt that the only people that really, I mean, it's very controversial, the only people that really give a monkey's about how the company does is the people that actually work in it. Um, so, but anyway, I know. I, well, I mean, yeah, to, I, I know what you mean by this. Um, it, it, if you look at the entire ecosystem of management, customers, investors, mm. and bondholders mm. uh, as one world, then it becomes clear how difficult all of this is to manage. Yes. Because I think investors have a legitimate interest in seeing returns. That mm. is why they, in a very common, lend the yeah. money. I mean, yeah. it's it's not a loan. But what no, I mean by this is in, in, in sort of spirit, you know, you, yeah. you buy this, you are the owner. Yeah. Uh, and you do this in order to achieve a return on your investment that is the reason you don't do it for any other reason yeah but that of course is the reason also why a company would be a quoted company on mm. the stock exchange mm. Mm. you don't have to be that i mean it's not the law you can be non-quoted and then you have yeah, to exactly. find your cash from uh you, you know operation generated cash mm. you you don't have the opportunity to go to the markets and ask them for for, yeah. for, for money if you wish to buy something, for example. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and I'm afraid it's, it's just one of these things where management of a company just has, has to manage all the vested interests yeah. in, in the company. Yeah. But yeah, so, so I, I would go back to the, um, to the little bit of a conundrum, perhaps how, how to marry up a legitimate long-term plan mm -hmm. for a company which reflects vision 
in the future development of the company with yeah. a legit an equally legitimate short term or a shorter term expectation from investors to make a return on their investment. And yeah. the, the professional fund management industry, of course, passes these returns on to the customers. You know, I mean, yeah. in the end, it's the sort of stuff which we see in our pension funds. And, and yeah. so th- th- this is all real. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, I would couch it in those terms. Yes, uh, I know you're, <laughs> you're much, yeah. nicer. You're much nicer than me. Um, so always been, always yeah, been. Always, there we go, there we go. Um, so um, I, I'm very conscious of time here. I've, I've literally, um, but I did, I did want to say one last thing um, is is um, just to pick out a story from this week, which is EDF. So the French, mm-hmm. um, you know, electricity generating company, which does a lot of you know, nuclear stuff. Um, the shares in the company fell by 15 percent in trading. Um, because some faults were actually found at one of its nuclear power plants, which then meant that that four reactors were were shut down. Now, the reason why I say this is is important is because um, we have been, you know, talking about uh, there being gas uh, supply problem, gas supply shortages relative to demand. Um, mm. That has been mainly because uh, a lot of at the time because of the the renewable generation has not been sufficient enough to provide the the right amount of energy um and what has happened is is that so over the last i don't know five ten well certainly since fukushima for instance so you know in 2011 the conversation has very much shifted towards um renewables 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 but now it looks like renewables have not really performed up to up to expectation and to the extent that you're now seeing um, nuclear power being talked about. And you, you've had you know, Rolls-Royce recently with their uh, SMRs, their small modular reactors, um, gaining traction. There's also Macron, um, you know, the French president who is, he came to power when um, 75% of, of France's power was generated by uh, um, by nuclear, um, he said he wanted to reduce it to fifty percent. Um, most recently, it, it's about seventy percent. But then he said, actually, we, you know, because of we've seen how renewables isn't enough at the moment, we are going to, you know, we actually want to increase um, nuclear power uh, again. And yeah. at that point, EDF said, yes, we're here. We're going to help with that. And then here we are, two weeks later. Um, and and then this goes and happens. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was worth highlighting that just because your know, energy has been very much part of the conversation at the moment and is behind a lot of the um, you know the supply chain problems things that we're having. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, what do you reckon? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think we touched on this subject uh, last week or. Uh, in or two weeks ago, this unfortunately is another sector where we are in a bit, little bit of a tight spot currently, mm-hmm. because the renew. You, you're absolutely right in your analysis. I think you're right. It's it, it was Fukushima which um, um, put the cat amongst the pigeons, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> and uh, with with lots of national energy policies veering away to the extent that they still were focusing on nuclear energy, so mm-hmm. away from nuclear energy, focusing on renewable energies, and 
it, it, it's just an issue. The, the world demands more energy than renewable energies can produce. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we see from the COP26 that we cannot continue relying mm. on coal. This mm. is obvious, we've discussed it, no need to elaborate any further on this. Mm -hmm. We are not yet in a world where fusion technology is going to contribute meaningfully or, or at all. And, mm. and then, you know, after the technological problems will have been resolved meaningfully to uh, global energy supply mm -hmm. and so we have to fall back on nuclear energy at mm. a time where sort of where where most national energy policies have have sort of uh, well in inverted commas forgotten about nuclear yeah. energy and have yeah. really developed the subject yeah and and so uh, well okay i i do think that we need to uh, have a shorter term solution which is based on nuclear energy. From that point of view, I welcome the Rolls Royce initiative. And yes, EDF, the, the news there uh, is, 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 is quite negative PR and possibly mm. couldn't come at a, at a worse time. Mm. There we go. I mean, it's, it's again fascinating stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I, I remember, you know, when I, when I first heard about all this sort of nuclear talk again i just i really thought god it's ages since i've heard about the you know since i've heard a lot about this but um mm, but anyway yeah. obviously it is very much of the moment now i think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to stop it there um, yeah. and by the way i've no idea whether you you've heard what's been going on in the background here i hope you haven't but I mean, in case you have and you're wondering it's my kids having some kind of breakdown in the background. So I really hope that it hasn't, you know, you haven't heard it. I think it's well, something I to haven't, do with switch. I must admit, I haven't heard it. But the okay. news that your kids are having a nervous breakdown comes as no surprise to me. <laughs> yeah, no, they're in the background. Knowing I, the father. I, Sorry. I'm, oh. Yeah, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that it's something to do with the Nintendo Switch. Uh, so, um, I don't know, some kind of drama going on with that, I think. So, I apologise to you uh, and to any, uh, anyone who's heard any stuff. I've, I've been listening to, I've been hearing this drama unfold in the background um, yeah, so well, I, mean, I, I, I couldn't hear anything but Good. it's a shame it's a shame i would have liked to it oh, sounds, no, sounds no. like it was amusing no not really it's not, not amusing <laughs> it's pretty serious but anyway okay well look um well thank you as always ralph um always love um the, these these chats that we have um and um and yeah i mean this is this is the this is the last um one of these it, it that is. we're going to do uh for this year um we are going to potentially do um some others uh, over the you know over the course of uh you know over the next few weeks or something yeah. um and uh yeah so please stay tuned these are um, special ones though indeed special ones um yes themes special themes indeed so um so anyway so um i'll just say Thank you very much, Ralph. Um, yep. Always a pleasure. Before um, you sign off entirely, just two more things from me. Yep. Very brief. First of all, a correction. I may have misspoken earlier. I don't know whether I did. In case I did, just to clarify, this is, of course, the 1922 committee in the Tory party, in case I said 1920. Okay. Uh, and second, it is the last podcast for this year. So everybody out there who I'm not going to talk to, <laughs> sort of, you know, virtually again, yeah. have a super happy Christmas. Absolutely. Go to the parties to the extent it is possible. And yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Happy Brilliant. Christmas, guys. Thanks, mate. And thank you. Thank you to all the listeners for supporting us. And we will be back again soon. Many thanks. Bye. Cheers, mate.